Hello and welcome to Say That, the podcast for your big questions, your real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago. And joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the president of Mission USA. Tonight. That was my Jeremy uh, Clarkson. Uh, oh. In, that's what he says at the beginning of Top Gear. That's that's all accurate. Tonight. That's He normally says words after that, but it does open with tonight. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Joining us also, Jed Brewer, the director of Mission USA Productions. Okay. I don't think anyone opens our show that way, Jed. No. Why I would you? Oh, okay. I open my own show. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. Yeah, Blackjack. Yeah, I'm going to stop there. Good instinct. Joining us all the way from Mercer City, one of the pastors of Christ Community Church, Lee Younger. Hey, what's up? All right, anything? Are we ready to go? We're no, excited. I feel good. Okay, let's well, our do first this. question. I like to week. get it underway. Yeah, Indeed, let's just get right do. to it, man. Let's just jump right. on in. Let's do it. All right, we got a big show this week. We're gonna Wait a right second, in. there's an emergency. Oh, my Whoa. goodness. Is there an emergency, Glenn? There's an emergency. You always talk to Glenn like he's Lassie in that moment. <laughs> <laughs> Is Timmy stuck in the well, Glenn? <laughs> it's an emergency. That's an amazing emergency. Speaking of England. Okay, we, which we were. There's a new royal baby. Whoa. That's, that's yeah. true. Breaking news. Yeah. Not I'm pretty really. sure we're the first people to break this news. Yeah, nobody else has heard about yeah, it. This is a scoop. It's we've a got scoop. An, we've got an inside person and Is it palace. this is probably a podcast exclusive. Sure, we'll market it that way. Because uh, we have no proof that any other podcast has mentioned it. We're well, the official the, podcast of the Royal Baby. Sure, yes. and certainly in the future, other people will have this news. But right now, today, right. in the present, when we're recording it, it's a scoop, man. Yeah, yeah this, we're, because the baby just happened right, now. Right, right. Sure. The, a, in, when we're recording it. A yes. scant four days ago, that baby happened. But people aren't listening to this right now as we're saying this. No, they're right. listening. Tell me when they're listening. They're listening in the future it's far out man because this podcast is beamed into the future it is that's right when people are listening to this this little baby's already the king of england that's what i'm talking about and has already gotten like canada back in there yeah because let's (laughs) face it canada's you know it's pretty much england they it's pretty much england they've been you know, kind of uh, just hanging around there. Sure, sure. You know, they're not just sure. taking off. And yeah. The Queen's stuff. on the money still, yeah. Queen's on the money still. That's, you know. Enjoy the Commonwealth. I think you could pretty much go over there and say, you know what? We're taking it back. And they'd be, all right. You know, they'd Do you be think polite. The French about. are going to take Quebec as part of that deal. Could Well, they, they would try, but, you know. Because they, you know, they really. They 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 think of Quebec as their own. And I and let's point this out: we've offended lots of countries on this podcast, but we're we've going already, for the record. We we've already offended Canada, right? So let's not double dip on that. We have a we lot of spread it around because a lot of Can- nice people in Toronto enjoy the show. Can- we're used Can- to Canada, as you know, the Canadians are all liars because of Canadian bacon. <laughs> And I, <laughs> I don't revisiting this. I don't want that to have to be true, sure. but it just is. Sure. So England's going to take it back on that basis of like you know, you like just you're saying England loves liars. Is what well, you're no, what I'm saying is England will say you, pe- you people weren't, weren't telling the truth, so we got to take right. it back. Okay, okay. It's you're, like a punishment. It is like a punishment. Going to England is a punishment. That's no, no, I it's, it's no, it's not that going to England's or, a punishment. Here's the thing. It's like if you if you used to be part of the colonial empire and right. then you lie about foodstuffs that your company your country is good at. Right. 
then you have to go back to being a colony, period. Well, and yeah. this, yeah. when you lie about bacon, yeah. okay, that's the lowest thing there is. Well, look, dude, can we just keep it real for a second? Keep it real. Look, man, ham is delicious. Right. We all like ham. I love sure. ham. Sure, I love sure. ham. Own up. Be a man and say, we are a ham-producing country. Right. That's what we do. Well, fine. That's fine. Yeah. Pork chops. Sure. That's fine. No problem. If you call it bacon. You, it better be bacon. Better be bacon. This is what I'm talking this about. This is the, maybe a new motto for this show. Better be bacon. <laughs> so no, you sure. know, I remember, you know, in a, kind of a turning point, you know, in my youth. You right. know, it was, you know, right on, you know, the edge of becoming a young man. And my uh-huh. mom hands me something. And it looks like Puberty chocolate. you're talking about. What's up? Puberty. Yeah, just like that. Hormones, right? Totally. Here. She hands me something. She says, you know, and it looks like chocolate. I say, Mom, is that chocolate? And she says... Pretty much, it's carob. That's just like chocolate. Oh, you should try that. No. Not cool. That was a deceit of deception. That's right. A deceit of deception. That is. That's a. That's what you call a big fat fib. That's what I'm talking about. And that's uh, against the Bible. That is against the Bible. And here's what I'm saying: is Canada? It's like an entire country of my mom trying to give me carob. Thank you. Calling it chocolate. That's exactly wow, correct. Dude. So you're really seeing how Jed right projects there. his childhood issues into international relations there. <laughs> so essentially, you can't tell me what to do, Dad. I mean, China. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, so what happens is, as we record this, sure, the baby has just been born. Only four or five days ago at this point, and the and the the people are listening to this in the future. But now, this is what's happening now. And it's exciting. It is. People right. are electrified. Sure. Inter- the, it's like an amazing, magical moment because it's a young couple that are adorable. Sure. And what do they do? They go and have a little baby. They went on the honeymoon and they made him a baby. Sure. Now I, I know. I know what a lot of people have been asking me and writing into the podcast and saying, "What can you know? Is there? Is this?" baby happening because probably they were listening to say that podcast Uh totally and i say you know what we don't have proof of not that that's exactly (laughs) exactly well in the interest of keeping everybody's privacy we can either confirm or deny that particular accusation even though it's probably true so that's the thing is the duchess of cambridge an avid say that listener Prove otherwise. Prove otherwise. Sure. You can't prove she isn't listening. <laughs> so there you have it. That's what I'm talking about. Here's what I know. Baby. Baby. Okay. Can you prove how that baby happened if it wasn't fueled by, say, that? What a deeply uh, disturbing statement. Can you look, prove how that baby we happened? We know two things you know the for middle- sure. Right. We know that the Say That podcast was airing. Right. And sure. that a baby came about. Thank you. Right. Now, the Say That podcast does have a history of baby facilitated production here's wow. what i'm saying <laughs> england yeah you're welcome that's what i'm talking about you got an heir you got yourself a future king yeah you're well yeah okay so what i'm hearing is that they you know lovely couple had a baby and right you, you find that enjoyable you know totally. you saw follow a news thing on your twitter and right. you saw oh that's nice in the name and you took a small amount of joy for that in your own life and that yes. made your day better Absolutely. Now, I right. have no problem with that. I know Jed doesn't have a problem with that. Sure, sure. I know Lee's yeah. in favor. Yeah. No, I, I mean people wonder, here were people here were having tea and crumpets and the whole thing. There you go. As you should. But I wonder what the dark side of say that feels about this. I well, think you're talking about legalistic Jed. Well, I think I am, but also we've mentioned that they are the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge. They gave 
for the <laughs> Prince of Cambridge. So I'm wondering if we can Ted je- test uh, Jed's ability to channel these characters and get legalistic Cambridge Jed. Legalistic Cambridge <laughs> Jed. Oh my lord. Meta characters. Quiet, quiet, quiet. <laughs> you you got to give me one second. I got to calibrate here. Sure. Yeah. Your facial expression looks like the old Planet of the Apes masks. <laughs> I, I, I'm channeling my inner Palpatine here. You got to okay. give me I think I can pull this off. I think right. I can we believe in you. I, I believe in you. Well, Matthew, your excitement and your exuberance over the forthcoming of this monarchical progeny tells me but one thing, and that is your penchant for idolatry. <laughs> Okay, oh, wow. seems like a bit of a leap. History teaches us that there was a joyous birth of a royal child <laughs> some two millennia ago, but I see nary a celebration, nay a scone, nor a celebratory crumpet for the Christ. No, I see only adulation for this thing that has come to pass. And I must ask you, Matthew, why this joy which shall be so fleeting? Why do you cling to this celebration which shall fail and perish? Know you not that the Lord of heaven longs to give you joy, yea, satisfaction that is without end? Ladies and gentlemen, wow. legalistic Cambridge Jed. I think we're all Yay. proud to have been a party of that. My favorite part about that bit, Jed's performance was excellent, don't get me wrong. Yeah. But my favorite part was the content of it, which is just an amazing comedic premise. You know how, you know, yeah. Cage will be something like a Monty Python or right. we all like Key and Peele around here. They'll just come right. up with an idea yeah. that in itself is so funny. Yeah. And then the other stuff is just kind of icing on that cake. Yeah. And what Jed created was to say that there would be a person in authority in Christianity, <laughs> right? like a learned right. person with degrees and a job, right. maybe he's a pastor, who would take the time out of their day. They would, right. they would see somebody just enjoying something sure, say, that's lovely. There's these strangers yeah. enjoying the birth of these other strangers. Yeah. And then they would take time out to say, you should feel bad. Right. And would, it means you don't love Jesus very much. You're getting much. a little joy out of something that's not explicitly Jesus, which means you don't love Jesus. By the way, I tweet about UFC. <laughs> now, these are all theoreticals. I mean, that's crazy talk. No one would actually do that. Certainly. Yeah. Can you imagine an upside-down world where a person like that would have, like, thousands of people come to their church and people would read their books and think, this guy has insight. Well, the, I, I want to be a believer like this guy. That would be a world gone mad. I want to walk around literally slapping joy out of people's hands. Better be bacon. <laughs> Actually, I don't think that fits. Uh, I think that always it's, fits. It's always good it, to know. But I just I get I put, put some passion Bs. into it, and sure. I felt like that was you know. You know, Glenn. I feel like maybe um, something I've been wanting to talk to you about. I, I feel like you know, there's passion for bacon, mm-hmm. and then there is a, an unhealthy worship. <laughs> of certain food products and you know the bible says that man should not live on bread alone and wow. i feel confident saying that includes bacon oh, um, wow. are you as hungry for bacon as you are for the living word of god wow yeah i think we can all agree that man should not live on bacon alone that's just <laughs> yeah that's just a bad idea in general i think we're all thankful i don't know my brain you know jed loaded up and said there's a passion for bacon and then there's an unhealthy i think we we're all expecting the word lust 
Yeah. yeah. Pretty thankful that didn't happen because yeah. that would have been an awful thing to have to hear. Uh, are are you saying you want me to make it creepy? No, I'm just saying I'm proud of you that you didn't. Okay. I have a pork joke I'm not telling right now. <laughs> Good man. So, so I think we've learned a lot that we're all excited about the royal baby. It's an adorable yeah. baby for seemingly nice people. So why right. wouldn't be excited? Uh, we should certainly feel bad about being excited about things. Sure. Yes. That and, aren't going to church. And we've right. we've learned. Uh, that uh, it's a magical, wonderful thing that uh, we don't have any proof of otherwise, but we are probably, in in certain respects, responsible for that. Sure. Sure. And uh, you're welcome, England. Absolutely right. Absolutely. And on that note, I declare the emergency off. Mm. Well done. (laughs) Thanks for getting the parting shot in there. That's... Excellent. All right. So we want to take a quick moment and segue from that to talking about real things because that's my life. Uh, we're going to talk about Bridgebox real quick. There's a new one coming out on uh, August 1st, which is sometime Woo! in the middle of next week. This, I guess the day after this episode goes up, as a matter of fact, Thursday, August 1st. Our topic this month, Jed, is... What do I do when I look in the mirror and I hate what I see? Excellent. We've got, uh, we've got worship songs. We've got sermons from, again, this week because... Uh, Lee was up here last month with his crew from Tennessee, so you've got sermons from Glenn, myself, and Lee. Mm. Lee got a hold of that sermon, too. Yes, and uh, Lee may have out-preached me, and I don't think any of us are comfortable with that. There's a lot of resentment going on, a lot of anger, but that's okay. I'm just glad that, you know, I I invite Lee somewhere, and he comes and embarrasses me, and I think that's a show of friendship. How do you feel about that, Lee? Yeah, I think that's (laughs) great. Don't you care about other people's feelings? So we got all that stuff. We got Bible studies. We got devotionals. We've got uh, some extra goodies. One of the things we started putting in last week is a segment called Living It Out, which has uh, a weekly little thing, a weekly little exercise for you to actually go out and incorporate what we're talking about the topic into your real life. So a lot of stuff this month about just kind of general low self-esteem stuff and body image, and it's something we all deal with. We know we get a lot of questions on the podcast, people dealing with it. We want to help you out. So you can get that, missionusa.com slash bridgebox. It's only $8 a month, and all that money goes directly to supporting missions, but we do both online and here in Chicago. We guarantee you nowhere else on earth are you going to get more ministry done for giving $8 a month. Uh huh. Yeah. All right, so we're going to move into our first question here. It came in from our friend Bridie on Tumblr. It says... So as part of a leadership discipleship program, or program, because it's got two M's and an E, for my church, they've given us a list of a few Christian lifestyle books that they recommend that we read, as well as the Bible. I was wondering if you have any strategies or questions to keep in mind as I read through the books, just so that I can be discerning about what is being said in them. Lee, can you start us off? Uh, All right, so this is an awesome question. Uh, Bridie, thanks for writing it in. I'll tell you what we love is uh, love questions where somebody wants to ask about uh, strategies. You know, do you have any do do you have any suggestions on how I can be discerning, how I can get wisdom, and how I can develop a strategy to do that? That is such a great question. So you're starting out really, really well. Um, One of the things that, and we've talked about kind of the Christian publication industry on this podcast before, and I, I definitely you know, would encourage, uh, you know, if, you know, Glenn actually has like experience working with people who, uh, who are employed in that industry. And if he, if he gets into that, you definitely want to listen up because he's got a lot of, uh, he's seen a lot. Uh, it's like, it's, it's sometimes when you talk to him about it, it's like when people talk about Vietnam, it'll never be over for me, man. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, he's wearing a denim vest. We don't know why, but (laughs) 
<laughs> but uh, so one thing that you want to say with, with anything, like you're saying, that's you know a book that's not the Bible is, uh, and this is a phrase I've stolen. Um, but the first thing you want to look at is, does it pass the smell test? Yeah. Um, does it does it seem like it? I mean, does it seem like it makes sense? Um, you know. Is it a book that's like is is it so out there? Does it does it does it feel like it's different from the gospel that you read in the Bible? Does it feel like uh, do you feel like I don't know where this is coming from? If you if you get that kind of a feeling when you're reading a book, one thing that you should know is there's nothing wrong with you taking a, a Christian book and putting it down and saying this book's not for me. Even if uh, even if all your friends love it, all that kind of stuff. Even if even if there's a lot of people that think it's great, or it's really wildly popular, or it's uh, you know a bestseller or something like that. There's nothing wrong with you taking a book and saying this book is not for me. If it's not the Bible, don't be afraid to do that. So that's one thing. You should never be afraid to just put the thing down. Um, one thing that I would always ask is when I'm reading somebody's book is. Um, should this person have written this book? In other words, does this person have the authority to talk about the issue that they're writing about? Let me give you yeah, a, a real quick yeah. example. Not specifically, like I'm not going to call out the author or whatever, but recently there's been a really popular book that's out right now, and a lot of people are reading it, about uh, discipleship, how to make disciples. Now, that is an incredibly important part of everything that all the guys on this podcast do. I mean, that's, that's, that's a big part of our lives. It's something that we pour tons of thought into. I mean, when the four of us hang out in the same room, we will talk ministry strategy until it's far too late and we're all far too tired. We love to think about it, talk about it. It's a very, very important thing. Now, some of my friends at, at, at our church started reading this book, and, uh, and, and one of my friends told me, you know, I got a few chapters into this book and something really, I noticed something really weird. Uh, and I said, what is it? He said, well, it's a book about discipleship, but the guys that are writing it never tell any personal stories. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. There's your clue. And I, I was like, oh, it's almost as if you're suggesting that they're not doing discipleship, but saying Christian-y things that sound like they're about discipleship. Yeah. Now, as any any of the four guys in this room can tell you, we have stories out the wazoo. I mean, the, the only thing we've got is stories, one-on-one situations, people that we've talked to, people that we've helped, people p- people that, that we've watched grow, watched fall off, watched do well. We've got stories going crazy. We've got t- a long, long list of stories. And anybody that has the authority to write a book about discipleship should be telling you a story on just about every page. Yeah. Because that's the way the thing goes. That's how you learn how to do discipleship is you make mistakes and you do the stories. So that's a really important thing is when you're reading this book, did the person who write this book, do they actually do the thing that they're writing about? Yeah. yeah. Now, it would be real easy to say, well, man, that's such a that's such a cynical view of of this whole deal. It shouldn't I mean, surely if a if a person's getting published in the Christian book industry, they know what they're talking about. And that's an adorable thought, but it just isn't really the case. Uh, It's not necessarily the case that the person that's writing this book has any idea what they're talking about. What typically happens, and Glenn can shed a lot more light on this, but what typically happens is that if a person writes a book and it sells a lot, they get a book contract where they have to write a certain number of books in a certain amount of time. Now, what happens is they have to write a book whether or not they have anything to say. 
So they wind up just saying a bunch of stuff. And it may not be true. It may not be good. It may not be helpful. It may not be founded on any actual ministry. But it'll sell because they will distribute that thing and they'll sell it to their denomination and all kinds of other stuff. So if a book is popular, if a book is selling well, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's the book for you. But if you read a book... And here's, here's a different thing. If you read a book or you read a blog post or you read, uh, uh, you know, whatever, some kind of something along those lines, hear a podcast, and that thing resonates with your spirit, and you feel like it goes hand in hand with what the gospel is talking about, and you feel that when you're, when you're reading it, it's, it's like it's that tuning fork in your heart that this is about the real Jesus that's in the scriptures, then that's the book you really want to sink your teeth into. Um, for me, I'll just I'll just tell you I don't read really anything that comes out of the Christian publishing industry. The books that I read by Christian authors have all been dead for at least fifty years, um, and uh, and those are the books I like because those guys got actual ministry done before anybody was a Christian celebrity. But those are my thoughts on it. We'll kick it around now. Absolutely, Jed. Yeah, I agree with everything Lee said. I just want to back up one thing real quick because this is y'all. Um, this is a hard truth, but you know we want to back each other's play on this. The fact of the matter is, there's a lot of people that write Christian bestsellers that simply do not know what they're talking about. Right. Um, yep. and, and y'all need to be clear on that. There's we as a matter of discipline try to not uh, call anyone out by name on this podcast. Uh, it's just something we try not to do. So I'm not going to do that either. There's a very famous Christian book that has to do with relationships that was written by a 19 year old kid. Um, and here's the thing is, uh, and you've heard of this book, I promise you. And when I was 19, I didn't know anything about relationships. Um, I've done a lot of youth ministry. I've never met a 19 year old who knew anything about (laughs) relationships. Um, well, and and we, we know personally a guy who has a Christian book on this topic that we're talking about here, leadership that we know personally and, and like on certain, you know, levels and stuff. And he, as good a dude as he is and as successful as he is at a lot of ministry stuff, he knows nothing about leadership at sure. all. Sure. So it, th- we're not talking about people that we have a beef with or that we don't like. These these are people right. that we know sure. exactly. and we, we know what their strengths and weaknesses are and it's just, what are you going to do? Sure, absolutely. Well, uh, on a similar tip, there's another guy who knows a real good dude, a good heart, and he has attempted to have a worship service that centers around a, a particular kind of music. Right. Um, and this book was published by InterVarsity Press talking about how amazing this is. Um, there, There is nothing. It's basically non-existent. Yeah, We're you, talking about literally a single digit attendance. Yeah, you walk, there's right. two people in the room. But right. but he has a book from InterVarsity Press on you know, the right. subject of... You know, Teaching how you to, how to do this. Yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. So the thing you need to know is Christian book publishers, they're not trying to help you grow in your walk, man. Um, right. You know, they like it if that occurred, but that's not their goal. Their their goal is to move units. And it's the way you move units is yeah. you write a book with a catchy title and a catchy concept, and then people buy it. That's doesn't matter if it will actually work. doesn't matter if this dude's legit who's writing it. That's not the point. The point is, will people buy it? That's right. that's the only consideration. And again, I know that's not a fun thing to hear. Um, you know, for a lot of us, we've seen so much garbage in the world that we want Christianity to be safe. Yeah, We right. want yeah. to get into the church and feel like we're all pulling on the same end of the rope. We yeah. can trust one another. We're trying to, you know, we're all going the same direction. Unfortunately, my friends, that's just not true. It's, right. it's just not true. And, and the Bible says as much, that, that you need to be on the lookout. You need to test the spirits. Do not trust every spirit, it says in First John. And that's part of what we're trying to, to help you do here. There's another verse in the Bible, um, 2 Corinthians 3.17, that says, Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Right. If, if you want a good acid test for anything you're reading, the acid test is, is this thing setting me free? 
Right. Is this thing taking burdens off of me? Amen. If it's not taking burdens off of you, it is not something for you. Right. Um, if And God forbid, if it's increasing burdens, if it's making you feel guilty or afraid or ashamed, if it's making you feel loaded down, and there's extra stuff you need to be doing that you haven't been doing, that's not the book for you. Uh, it's, it's, not, it's not good stuff. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. If that book's not setting you free, it's not the one that you want to be reading. And like uh, Lee pointed out, there are plenty of books that will do that. Uh, and, yeah. we'd, and we'd like to see you get connected with those. I'm sure at some point we can give you some recommendations on that. But you don't need to settle for stuff that's popular but but messing up your walk. Um, God wants you to experience that freedom, and we want that for you too. Absolutely, Glenn. Yeah, and just to uh, uh, you know reiterate a little bit of that, I, you know, if you were to go, let's say, into a Christian bookstore and you're looking at all sorts of books, all sorts of different people, hard to tell, you know, you know what this guy knows versus that guy. If you just sort of drew a line down the middle and say, okay, I'm going to stack all the books on this side that are by church pastors or people who are thinkers. They just thought it up, you know? Yeah. And on the other side of that line, you stacked up all the books uh, that were written by missionaries, Mm -hmm. uh, youth, uh, uh, anyone working with youth, uh, particularly in a parachurch, yeah, which is missions with in, in anything in a parachurch context, um, and I would include in that uh, prison ministry, uh, urban ministry like we do, hospital chaplaincy, those kind of things where it's a frontline engagement with people who are not believers, or we're 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 uh, you know bringing them into the faith. If you drew that line, uh, everything on the sort of the missions side of that. Uh, you would be hearing, as Lee is saying, the stories. You'd be hearing uh, the tales of the strategy and all that. It would ring true, as he points out. Uh, the problem is, if you go to your Christian bookstore and stack up the books that way, there will be no books <laughs> from the missionaries at all. Uh, and that's kind of the problem that we're that we're pointing to. The positive news about that is you don't need to get it from a book. You can just ask a missionary. Right. Uh, so that's the second thing I'd tell you is um, if you've got someone who you know that's doing direct frontline uh, missions work, you can ask them. You can get hit up any of our blogs and we'd be happy to, you know, give you ideas, give you, you know, uh, stuff that you could use, uh, particularly if you get stuck on something. But the last little thing I would tack on is um, – when you're talking about you know le- leadership and ministry and discipleship and all this stuff like that's in your question, it's a big broad topic. It sounds broad and complicated. Lots of different ways of looking at it, blah 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 blah. Here's what you want to do: is you want to think of uh, principles that will always apply and always be true. So uh, part of what uh, uh, Jed was just talking about with the example that he gave was. It should, you should, ministry should set you free. Yep. You, if you read this and you feel like sprinting forward in your walk, that's good ministry. That's a, that's a litmus test. It's a principle. When we do ministry, that's what we set out to do. Let's, let's set people free. That's how we judge it. If, 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 if I, if Jed preaches a sermon, I preach a sermon, one of us did a better job of setting people free. That's the better sermon like that. Okay. That's a principle. 
if you take a principle like uh, earning the right to be heard, you should earn the right to be heard before you uh, uh, bring the word. You, yeah. And we talk principles, and we can highlight them more on this podcast. But what you do is you end up with a set of principles that always work. And when you read a right. book and someone's saying the best way to do ministry is advertise and then have a rally and then set up speakers. And you say, wait a second, this thing sounds like it's an inch deep and a mile wide. And that's not discipleship. That's the opposite of discipleship. Discipleship is depth. And that's got to be one-on-one and that's got to be a personal touch. So ministry principles will are the thing you really want to figure out and learn. And, and generally that's going to be one-on-one with an actual missionary. That's an excellent point. Um, we're going to move on to our next question here. It came in anonymously with our Tumblr box. It says, how does one go about hearing God's voice? I know there are books about it that offer suggestions, but they seem a little formulaic. Is it always going to be like an audible voice, or is it a nudge of the spirit, as some people call it? And then how do you know if it's God talking or if it's all in your head? Jed, can you kick us off? I sure can. And thank you very, very much for this question. I, I think this is such an important thing, and I know it's scary. There's something about the idea of can we hear from God where Christians are afraid, you know, if I start looking into that, is this going to end up being something weird and something culty and something funky? And um, the answer is it doesn't need to be at all. Um, the truth is nearly all Christians believe that God speaks to them at some point in some ways. Um, there, there are people who, who don't, but they're actually fairly few and far between. What we're really talking about here is can God, does God want to ever talk to me other than just a bolt from the blue? Just, you know, a sign out of the middle of, of nowhere. And the answer, of course, is that, yeah, he does. And to, to dovetail with our last question, there is a great book on this subject that I would highly recommend. It's a writer who, who just recently passed away, so he passes the uh, uh, deceased Christian's check, uh, named <laughs> Dallas Willard. Um, and one more time, that name is Dallas, is his first name, Willard is his last name. Um, and he has a book, it's published by InterVarsity Press, called Hearing God. It's a real good book, and if it's a subject you're interested in, it's definitely worth the read. There are three things I would tell you before I pass it on. Um, God absolutely does speak. He wants to speak to you. He'd love to, to talk about stuff with you. And if we want to do that, there's, there's three things I think we want to look at. The first is that the most important thing in hearing from God is actually just getting everything else out of the way. That's the most important thing. Amen. Um, it, it turns out God speaks in a still and small voice. The Holy mm. Spirit is actually quiet, but our fears and our doubts, our uncertainties, those all scream in our head. Right. Um, and it's very hard to hear that still small voice of the Lord over all that screaming. So what do we do? Well, the, the easiest way, the most effective way is to get all of that fearful, doubting, um, uh, uh, uptight thinking out of our brains. And the way we do that is by expressing it. Now, some people are, are they're verbal processors. They, they think best when they're talking out loud. Some people think best when they're journaling. It doesn't matter. It makes no difference. But whatever your question is, I think the step one is not actually prayer. Step one is writing out all of your thoughts on the subject, talking out all of your thoughts. What am I afraid might be the case here? What do I hope is the case here? What do I expect God probably thinks about this? What do I desperately hope he doesn't think about this? What do I hope, if, if God would let me do anything, what would I want to do? Get all of that completely out of your system so you've expressed it all out. That's thing one. And then the next thing is to be still. 
Once you've gotten all of that out of your system, it's about just being still in God's presence. In Psalm 46, verse 10, uh, it says, Be still and know that I am God. Um, I can tell you from personal experience that if you will get all of your thoughts and fears and doubts and concerns out of the way, if you'll express them out and confess them to the Lord, say, I'm not claiming I'm right, I'm just saying here's what's on my heart and mind. If you'll get all that out of the way and then you'll be still in his presence, I have a sneaking feeling that you'll start hearing from the Lord. And not only will you start hearing from him, you'll start hearing way more than you would anticipate. Let me add uh, two more quick things. The first is, God is not afraid of you asking the same question more than once. Um, Amen. When you look at the Bible, um, the Old Testament, there's plenty of stories of this, where people said, God, do you mind if I just ask you to repeat yourself a few times? Gideon is a perfect example of that, saying, I I want you just to tell me this a couple of times so I know it's you. God doesn't have any problem with that. There's no problem repeating this process several times and, and getting what the Lord thinks in more depth and more detail. But this is the last thing I'd add, is sometimes when we're having trouble hearing God, it's because we've put him into a box that he doesn't have any interest in being in. Let me tell you what I mean. There's plenty of people, they, they finish college and they say, should I take the consulting job in D.C. or should you know I go to Chicago and go to law school? God, what do you think? Which one of those two should I do? Well, it's hard to hear God when the answer is you shouldn't do either of those things. Mm-hmm. N- neither of those things is what I'm looking for you to do. That's not... That's not it at all. But I think most Christians, when it comes to trying to listen for God's leading, that's what they're doing, is they're saying, well, I'll pick a couple options, and then, God, you tell me which one you want. I think if we want to listen well, we want to look more at the big picture and and be really open to the possibilities. So in this case, that would be about going to the Lord and saying, I'm finishing up college, and Lord, my life is yours whatever you want it to be. I have some opportunities. I can, you know, go to the law school. I can take the consulting gig, but I'm putting it all on the table before you. What do you just, sky's the limit. What do you want? If we're willing to take God out of that box, we'll find that listening process is way, way easier. Those are some good thoughts to get you started, and I'm sure these other brothers have some great stuff on top of that. Fantastic stuff. Glenn? I agree with all that, and that's that's some good advice based on someone who's doing it. So that's that's how... uh, uh, that's why that sounds good and right and correct. The Bible says, uh, Jesus says about us, my sheep recognize my voice. Uh, and he talks about how, uh, you know, a stranger will come into that sheep pen and try and lead those sheep astray, but they won't follow that stranger because they don't re- recognize the sound of his voice. Uh, what Jesus is saying there in sort of a, a, a prosaic way is that uh, what he says and the way he approaches us and the way he deals with us has a certain tone, has a certain feel to it. Mm-hmm. And that we should learn to recognize the feel of that. Um, it, it, God may, uh, uh, for all I know, speak to you in an audible voice. I don't, I don't know why that wouldn't happen. Uh, I, that's not the norm. And we're talking about listening to the Lord. We're talking about that, uh, still small voice. We're talking about, uh, how God speaks to us in sort of the soup of our thoughts and all it, and it is mixed up in there and there's a lot of craziness and whatever. So how do we sort that out? Well, we sort it out by recognizing the tone 
of that voice and recognizing. Now, you know, a, a certain amount of that's pretty easy to filter out. If if uh, uh, if I have a thought cross my brain that says my neighbor's irritating me, maybe I should hit him with a baseball bat. That's probably not from Jesus. Are you sure? Do we want to rule that possibility out yet? I mean, you know, we maybe, you know. I heard on this podcast I shouldn't put God in a box, so yeah. I'm just saying. <laughs> that's true, that's true. Um, but if I hear a, a voice in my head when I'm frustrated that says, uh, you know, uh, be patient, I'm being patient with you, maybe you should be patient with your neighbor, then you say, you know what? That sounds a whole lot like a thought that would not come from my brain. So probably that's coming in from somewhere else, and it's pretty easy to see where it's coming in from, and so on and so forth. So we have to learn to to recognize that 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 tone. The best way to do that, of course, is to read your Bible. You you get a sense of God's character and His personality from that. Uh, so when we talk about listening, we're talking about three different ways that we hear God's voice. One is through the Bible, uh, which is very broad. Of course, you can't open the Bible and it says, hey, Matt, you should do this today. You know, that's not. That's well, my not, Bible says that. That's because you've given me a special Glenn Standard version. Yeah, just to, yeah, you know, uh, do whatever Glenn says, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Um, but. Uh, the second way that we hear uh, God's voice is uh, when a pastor or a mentor or even an older brother and sister in Christ uh, takes that word and applies it to our life in a more in a more fundamental way. It helps to interpret the world word and get it uh, applying to us. And then the final way that we know uh, God's voice and hear hear Him speaking to us is through prayer, and that's what we're talking about here. Is that that still small voice? Here's the thing you need to know about that: is all those should agree with each other yeah. across the board. Yep. If something doesn't that's okay. We're going to fall back, regroup, and figure that part out. That's really important. If your pastor is saying something different than the Bible and different from what you're getting in prayer, we may need to have a new pastor. If you're right. hearing something in the soup of your thoughts in your brain and that doesn't click with what the Bible is saying and your pastor is saying, no, that's definitely not what the Bible is trying to tell you, it definitely violates that, then we need to fall back, regroup, and say, where is this coming from? How is this going? So it all that keeps that process from getting into something weird and wacky. The final point, and Jed was talking about sort of the feel that that's going towards something like weirdly metaphysical and kind of cultish and whatever. The interesting thing about listening to the Lord is it's the anti-cult thing. It's the mm-hmm. anti-manipulation thing. Because you try and lay a guilt trip on me, you try and get me to follow whatever weird thing you're into, you smear a bunch of Bible verses around. I go home and I ask the Lord whether to give me a thumbs up or thumbs down on that, and the Lord puts that thumbs down. That's that's the end of that. And uh, for that very reason, you'll find a weird correlation between people who are on something crooked and people who don't talk about listening to the Lord. Uh, mm-hmm. In this operation, uh, you, I'm very quick to point out, here's what I think, but I haven't prayed this through. I haven't listened to the Lord on it. You should listen to the Lord on it. I'll listen to the Lord on it. Let's make sure that lines up. So we're, all, we're looking for agreement. We're looking for everybody getting the, the same word. Sometimes it's a little bit different, so we sit down and, and work that out. And, and, we're, and that's good because you get more detail on it. We're, maybe we're seeing two sides of the same coin, so we, we figure out more. So the, a disagreement on that or, or not hearing the exact same thing is still a good thing. And that's, that's not necessarily a bad thing, but it's about recognizing 
that listening to the Lord keeps us from getting into manipulative stuff, keeps us in, from getting into sort of cult-like stuff, keeps us from getting into weird and bad doctrine. Absolutely. Lee? Well, I love everything that these guys have said on this, and I, I've just got two really quick things. One is something that a lot of Christians fall into, and that is when, you're, when you have a, a thing that you want to pray through and you want to go to the Lord about, please, please, please don't automatically assume that the thing God wants for you is the suckiest and most unappealing and most painful thing. I think that a lot of times Christians think, like, if I go to the Lord and, yeah, and yeah, I'm yeah. seeking the Lord about this thing, whatever whatever it is, whatever his answer is, it's going to be the worst thing uh, because he's going to want the hardest thing for me to go through and the most difficult and the most, as our parents would say, character building thing. What if God wants something for you that's so much better, so much cooler, and so much more appealing than anything that you thought to ask for? I mean, he's a good dad and he wants to give you good gifts. And so let's remember that. First of all, don't, don't automatically assume that it's going to suck. And that, that it's got to be the horrible thing. And then the other thing that I would point out is from uh, James chapter 1, which um, James says, If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault. Amen. That, that word finding fault, it means like scolding. Like if you go to God and say, I need you to help me with something, he says, he, God gives to you generously to everybody who asks him, and he does not scold anybody. Uh, and he said, uh, without finding fault, and he says, and it'll be given to him. He said, but in verse six of James chapter one, but when he asks, he must believe and not doubt because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. Now you guys know that we don't get into the original language of the scriptures a whole ton, but it is important sometimes to look at that. Like for instance, this was written in the Greek language and right there where it says that the person who asks God must believe and not doubt. That word doubt is literally the Greek word for judge. And what he's saying there is, if you ask God about something, you're, you're trying to get some wisdom on, should I do this thing or should I not do this thing? The, the one key element is, when you go to the Lord in prayer, do not already have your mind made up about what you're going to do. Amen. In other words, you have, to, you have to go to the Lord saying, I am not going to judge the answer you give me. I'm not going to, I'm not going to say, Lord, what do you want me to do? And then you come back to me with the answer and I say, well... That doesn't sound like the thing that I want to do. That, that this is exactly what James is talking about. When you, if you lack wisdom, go ask God because He will not scold you, and He generously will give you uh, an answer. As long as you haven't made up your mind already what you're going to do, then He says that person will receive nothing from the Lord. So uh, go into the presence of the Lord, not judging what that answer is going to be. Don't have your mind made up about what you're going to do, depending on what the answer is. Just go to the Lord and say, I really want some help and I'll do whatever you, whatever you lead me into and guide me into. And you're going to hear from the Lord on that. Absolutely. That's a great point. We're going to move on to our last question here. Came in anonymously to our Tumblr. It says, how much does physical attraction matter in a relationship? As a Christian, I want to date and marry someone who's attractive, but oftentimes I feel shallow because I do. Sinner! Thank you. If there are two potential dates, both with similar personalities, is it wrong to want to get, the no get to know the more attractive person more? Glenn, can you start us off? Sure, I can. Uh, <laughs> you, it's not wrong. You asked, is it shallow? Of course it's shallow. That's uh, that's kind of what shallow means. When someone says it's only skin deep, that's their they mean that's a shallow thing. Yes, yeah. that's correct. It's not wrong. It's not sinful. It's uh, 
It's also true for everyone. Yeah, I mean, you know, this is how everyone works and thinks. It's kind of going back to what Lee was just saying there. Of you, you can't orient yourself according to suffering being the most likely right thing to do. You know, um, the yeah. The truth is, uh, it's not it's not wrong uh, to want to be attracted to the person that you end up with. And the good news is, you'll probably find that the Lord will give you eyes to see beauty for the for the the person that He has for you. Um, uh, I've been married for a uh, 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 a long, long, long time. <laughs> Glenn has been married through uh, about ten or twelve kings of England at this point. Yeah, and uh, are you been... a Highlander? <laughs> <laughs> They're both Highlanders, apparently. Yeah, um, but here's the thing: is I, I and I'm not saying this uh, to uh, uh, for effect because I'm I'm not that nice of a person. But my wife is as attractive to me now as she ever was. Yeah. And God gives me eyes to see that. I know that you know everyone's looks change over years, over the years. But you know, to me, there's no difference because it's just you're you're seeing something deeper, and you're seeing you know uh, with the eyes of the heart there. Uh, so uh, the the thing that you need to know is if you don't have that heart, the looks is not of any value because here's what I'm saying. It, yeah. Maybe you're in high school, maybe you're in early college. I want you to take a look around and there are just pretty girls everywhere you look. I mean, uh-huh. you could just, if you swung a dead cat, you'd hit a pretty girl. Now you're, that would not help you get a date with her. Cause that's, <laughs> no, that's not a methodology. <laughs> I mean, just depend metaphor. Yeah. You might say I was, I was betting myself that if I swung this cat, dead cat, it would hit a pretty girl and it's hit you and it's worked, you know, then maybe, but then Both prob- Glenn got game. That's yeah, pro- probably not. Let's not try that. But here's the thing is what you need to know. And I don't mean this at all in a, in an unfair way. Cause it works the exact same way with guys. But if you go 20 years into the future, all of those people will look like they have swollen. Yeah. Right. Gravity none gets of, everybody. Yeah, none of those people will be what you would call today super hot and attractive. It just it goes and it goes fast. Yeah. We're lucky that we're uh, uh, on this podcast, except for Matt, who's totally single, and you should write in and date Matt. Uh, but the, those <laughs> of us who are married on this podcast, uh, we're all married to super hot gals who we won the lottery there. But right. Uh, the, uh, now the, the, the downside of that is particularly in Judd's case and in mine, we're going downhill completely very fast. It's true. It's, uh, they're, they're getting the, they start off with the short end of the stick. That's just going worse, you know? And, uh, but what I'm trying to say is, uh, if that's what you're in it for, you're going to lose that real quick. It's yeah. got to be with yeah. the heart. And one last thing I would say about that is don't get distracted by that. You, yeah. if you, okay. the, the, the tendency is to say, and, and look, I've been there. I know how this goes. You say, she's so beautiful. Probably she's an awesome Christian. Yeah. <laughs> That's the way it works, right? How could a girl that beautiful not be a really solid Christian? Just the beauty is probably just giving her sanctification. It, it's just an outward expression of that. Sometimes your eyes tell you this is a better person than what your discernment tells yeah. you it's a better person. Don't get distracted by that is what I would say, but there's nothing wrong with being attracted to the person you want to end up with. Absolutely, Lee. 
Yeah, I'm I'm just right on line with exactly what Glenn's saying on this thing. And look, just having worked with having worked with high school folks for so long, oh, just how many times I, I've seen this stuff where. You know, like somebody will start dating a new guy or whatever, and they'll and 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 I'll ask one of their friends, like, so how's that whole thing going? They're like, well, it seems to be going good. She's excited about it. So is the guy like, does the guy love Jesus? And they're like, well, um, uh, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, they, th- they, you know, we all think so, you know. Yeah. And it's like, dude, okay, uh, well, I mean, he, you know, like he he grew up in a church. It's like. Man, sometimes, or you'll, you'll, these people will start dating and stuff, and then you'll, you'll say, How's it going? And then, like, the only thing out of their mouth is, Oh, man, she's just so beautiful. She's just so beautiful. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like, and then a month later, you're like, So, how's that relationship going? Oh, man, she's just, she's so beautiful. You know, it's just, it's like, dude, if that's the only thing that you have going on, that's, uh, that's not a lot. And, uh, and, and, and as, as we've talked about on the podcast before, it's not going to get anything done. Like if somebody's really, really amazing looking and you're extremely attracted to them or whatever, that's great. And, and it's okay to want that. And it's okay to, you know, that, that, that I, I do want to be attracted to the person that I end up with and everything, obviously. But if that's the only thing that you're building on that you're going to run out of stuff to talk about. You know, and and uh, and so I, I think that one thing that we talk about, um, w- one thing that I talk to high school folks about a lot is that when you get into a, a serious relationship, and when you start heading towards engagement and marriage, you should know that the thing that you want. Here's what you want. Okay, you want your best friend, the person that you want to be with, that you want to be around more than anybody else. Like you Amen. would want to hang out with them on your day off. Like you want to be with this person. You you love to laugh together. You love to cut up together. You love to you love to hang out. You share your inside jokes. When something terrible happens to you, they're the first person that you text or call. When something amazing happens, they're the first person that you want to contact. When you have a if you have a person like that in your life and that person loves Jesus, uh, you need to run, run, not walk uh, to that kind of situation. Because, look, um, you know the the way that people look, as as these guys are saying, it can change, and it can change fast. And people can pull that; uh, they can they can pull that from both sides of the road. They can take that from from uh, from bad to great. Like it can go from great to bad. You know, so it's one of those things that sure it's important. You know, it matters, and and uh, and you're okay to want that. But you should know that the thing you really want, the thing that your heart desires, something that's going to be a long lasting relationship with somebody that loves Jesus, is that you want your best friend. You want to live your life with your best friend. Absolutely, Judd. Well, I agree with everything Glenn said and everything Lee said. And since you're listening to the Say That podcast, which is supposed to be rated PG-13, we're going to keep it real and talk about sex for a second. Uh, Because there's a couple things we need to be crystal clear on here. We all look the same when the lights go out. Amen. Um, uh, Let me repeat that. We all look the same when the lights go and out. And for you short brothers, we're all the same height when, when we lay down. That's so. exactly right. That's exactly right. <laughs> That's just a fact. It's just a fact. Here's here's the thing. is Part of what you're asking in this question is, I want to have a good sex life. Is that is right. it bad of me to want that? The answer is no. It's not bad of no. you to want that at all. In fact, if you read the Bible, you'll see in Proverbs, God wants the same thing for you. Right. Yeah, he does. Um, it says, uh, you know, loving doe, graceful deer, the wife of your youth, may her breast satisfy you always. Uh, God wants you to have a good sex life. There's no question about that. The question is, how do we get there? 
Um, yeah. What do we do that? Marrying the most attractive person you can find is not going to do that. Um, and I think right. that is what we're really, really dealing with. Let me be crystal clear. Getting with a physically attractive person does not in any way guarantee a good sex life. Um, uh, Lee um, and Glenn and I all do a certain amount of marriage counseling and, and, and are very familiar with the problems people run into. Uh, for Glenn and myself, we end up being called on when it's gotten so bad they're embarrassed to talk to someone at a church about it anymore. Right. Um, Glenn and Jed are the marriage critical care unit. Pretty much. And here's what I want to tell you is we know more people than we can count where um, – and this goes both ways in terms of both genders, but I'm, I'm talking you know, uh, from a guy's perspective here for a second. We know more people than we can count where the guy married a stunningly attractive woman. I mean you know, someone yeah. who could be a model. And they got in that marriage and that wife said, yeah, yeah. that's just uh, – that's over now. Right. Yes, that's right. Yeah. No sex for you. Right. That's just that's just not on the table. That's just yeah. that's not going to happen. Well, and, uh, and also, Jed, we should say that, you know, and you I know you guys can attest this, to this, too. I just I mean, it's just something I thought about as you're talking about this. But when people have come to talk about, you know, their their marriage problems and there's their, their sex problems within marriage and a counseling situation, I've never heard. It's just because they're just not attractive to me. Yeah. It's yeah, never right. been that ever yeah. once. It's yeah, never right. been that thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. We and and again, um, you know, don't listen to this podcast around young children. We shouldn't have to tell you all that, but just as a reminder, if you've got them around, hit pause and get out of the room. Um, we know people where you know there's either no sex or it's this weird um uh, thing. Once a month. Uh... Once a month, I will lie there like a starfish, <laughs> um, and and do my wifely duty and whatnot. That's not what you want. That's right. that's not it. There is an incredibly secular dude that you should not in any way read uh, named Dan Savage um, that writes about sex for a living. He's a sex advice columnist. And what he says, and I agree with this thing for sure, is he says that in a good sex life, both partners need to be good, giving, and game. Let me repeat yeah. that. They need to be good, giving, and game. And that applies to a Christian marriage. It means you need to be good to each other. Just generally speaking, and mm -hmm. particularly sexually, you need to be giving in terms of you need to be generous with making sure that other person's needs are met, and you need to be game in terms of you're willing to try what they're into. Right. Um, as long as it's within the bounds of, of, of a Christian marriage, which are way broader than most people think they are, sure. um, you know, you need to be willing to, to, to try things. Good giving and game. I'm telling you right now, that is what it takes to have a good sex life in a Christian right. marriage. And physical attractiveness is not in any way a guarantee of any of that right. at all. What's a guarantee of that is the heart. Yeah. A good sex life comes from a good attitude, comes from the heart. When yeah. you have a person who legitimately cares about you, cares about your needs, yes, wants, to, wants to serve you, wants yeah. to see you hooked up and taken care of and equipped, if you are married to that person, you will have a good sex life. Yeah. That will happen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if that is not their attitude, I don't care how attractive they are, you're not going to have a good sex life. Yeah. That is that is just not going to happen. Um, none of us are trying to tell you that you should date or marry a person that's repulsive to you to be around. That that would be a little <laughs> bit weird. But you're not asking about that either. Um, you know, If I had to guess, I think you're asking about, you know, two girls, and one of them is cute and kind of an amazing human being, and the other one is hot, 
and maybe she's Christian-ish, kind of, but you know. And here's what I'm telling you right now, dude. If you want to be selfish about it and say which marriage would result in a better sex life, it's the cute one that loves Jesus. Oh, yeah. That's that's how that's going to go down. Don't cheat yourself. Don't right. cheat yourself. Bro- right. Brother, we, we live in the city of Chicago, and there are uh, amazingly attractive people here. They, they flock here, and every day of the week, you can go into certain neighborhoods and see people doing everything they can to go home with the most attractive person they can find. I'm here to tell you right now, none of them have good sex lives. Right. Right. I know that because I talk to these people, uh, and, they, and right. they tell me what's going on in their lives. They're all miserable, and right. none of them are satisfied sexually. If you will pursue a person who has a heart for Jesus and a heart for you and a heart to serve, and then you will serve that person in kind, you will have a, a sex life that your secular friends would call you a liar if you told them about. Yeah, that's absolutely a great point. One thing I'll close this out with through here real quick is I want to piggyback on something that really all these guys have hinted at and maybe put a little different verbiage on it. You've heard us talk about on this podcast, I think. Uh, Jed and Glenn may have actually mentioned in the, the last episode, the live episode, that you're a mind, body, and spirit all in one. You want to be attracted to someone on all those levels. Yes. Yeah, this idea right. of I will dial up one to make up for a lack of the other yeah. does not work out. Yeah, that's a good point. That idea of, well, he's very purdy. Now, I read a book a week, and he is one of those guys who has on his profiles reading's dumb <laughs> yeah. so yeah. but with the abs we can all make yeah. it dial yeah. up to normal i mean not look at that six-pack king yeah not gonna work yeah and, th- and that that those uh, abs are soon to be gone <laughs> totally so it's and all that to say that being attracted to a person is different than being attracted to a body yeah. very different thing one of those will lead to happiness one of those will lead to a very hefty divorce bill yes, we've seen that true. work out all right we appreciate you listening if you have questions for us say that podcast at gmail.com or the bridge chicago.tumblr.com uh to this episode should be coming out uh, i don't remember remember when, august 1st august 5th the bridge podcast launches Woo! so we would really appreciate you we would certainly appreciate you uh, writing in a review for say that but we'd really appreciate you subscribing downloading yes. and leaving a nice little rating on the bridge podcast because a lot of that stuff that happens in the first week is a way a podcast gets in the kind of new and notable section on itunes right. leave which, a review yes we will bribe we will offer bracelets t-shirts bribe any which will, way you want it will only take you 10 seconds yeah, just got to click a star, say I like it. That Leave a review. Does like some great stuff to get us kind to get that podcast and all our other stuff kind of seen by more people, which is good for us. Why won't you leave a review? Yeah. Glenn's, Why wouldn't you do it? What's wrong with you? Glenn is pre-offended at all of you for not leaving <laughs> reviews. Leave our, a review. <laughs> all right, we want to remind you also Bridgebox missionusa.com slash bridgebox our august topic is what do i do when i hate what i see in the mirror a lot of good stuff in there from all the people here on this podcast so just remember we love you god loves you there's nothing you can do about it we're sorry canada but stop lying about bacon <laughs>